Well, good morning, Frontline Church family. It's so good to be with you this morning on this broadcast. Wherever you're watching from today, I want to welcome you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And despite the fact that we're not together in the house of God today, we are doing church together. We are continuing to do life together. Church, the enemy may think that he has had some kind of victory by the fact that we are separated from each other. But I want to declare today what, that what the enemy has meant for evil, my God will turn it for his good. And what he has meant to divide us will not only keep us united, it will make us more resilient in the face of adversity. My God is greater than any attempt of the enemy to bring down the body of Christ. We will not be shaken. We will not be moved. And wherever you're watching from this morning, I want to invite you to come with me, just quieten yourselves. Let's just commit this time to the Lord in prayer. Would you pray with me? Invite the Lord into your living room right now. Ask the Holy Spirit to come in and to be with you in this moment. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you today in the mighty name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name. Lord, as we gather in our homes today with our families, we want to commit this time to you. Lord, we want to say that we are nothing without you. And we pray today that when we hear your word of truth, we will be awakened to a greater revelation of who you are, how much you love us, guide us, and protect us. We pray that you would strengthen us in such a time as this, and Lord, where the world is turning to panic and to fear, I pray that we would be a people that would turn to you and shine the light of Christ in every dark situation. Come and have your way in us, come and refresh us, and come and transform us for your glory. And Lord, may you be edified and honored in every word that comes from my mouth today. We pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Well, it's so good to be with you here today. Today is the first time that I'm preaching to a camera and not to all of you frontliners, all of our church. So on the one hand, this is a historic moment, but on the other hand, I'm really missing you all, and I'm trusting by the grace of God, we will be together again soon. Church, whatever happens, we will continue to preach this beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ. And in the short time that we have together today, I want to speak to you about your faith. And I want to expose you to the perspective and truth of God in the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Church, there is an attack on us at the moment. And let me tell you where the attack is. It's in our minds. The greatest battle that we're facing right now is not the coronavirus. It's the attack that's going on in this space right here. And the reason I've titled my message today, Faith Over Fear, is because truthfully, there is a lot of fear in people out there currently. There's a lot of fear. People are, are fearful. There's a lot of panic, even in the body of Christ. But I really pray that as we learn and understand the Word of God together as a church, we will learn how to overcome that. And the reason why you and I need to learn how to overcome fear is because there's always a reason to be fearful. There's always something to be fearful about. And you can either become a person filled with fear or you can become a person filled with faith. We have to make a choice. We have to make a choice, and I'm calling you today to choose faith. Because if you're a person filled with fear, you'll never take action in the places you're supposed to take action. You'll never fulfill your destiny. Because let me tell you, church, for every, each and every one of us, in the, front, in, in the front of the doorway to our destiny, there's always going to be a thought that's going to pop up in, right in front of you, and it's going to try and steer you down. It's going to look at you in the eyes and try and steer you down. 
It's going to try and make you look in the opposite direction so that you change your course and head away from what God has called you to do. So we need to look fear in the eyes and take an action of faith that will lead us into our destiny. The enemy will always bring your thoughts of fear to try and divert you from what God has called you to do. Church, when the disciples were in the upper room, they waited there until the Holy Spirit came as they were commanded to do. And they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of being filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, amongst others, was to have the boldness to carry out the assignment that God would give them. To have the courage to face danger and threats and pain and even suffering without retreating. It would give them the faith to take action. So one of the biggest tactics of the enemy will always be to put doubt and fear into your mind. Because as long as the church is, is full of fear, this is what won't happen. They won't take action. They won't speak up. They won't spread the good news of the gospel if persecution comes or if extraordinary circumstances come their way. So fear has been a tactic of the enemy from the beginning to stop Christians from moving forward or progressing forward. It was the same with Jesus and his disciples. Wherever they went, they, people mocked them and they, they were ridiculed and they were threatened. Mocked for their beliefs. They received threats of imprisonment, beatings and even death. Wherever they went, the enemy was trying to shut them up. Right? If you just shut up, we'll stop chasing you. We'll stop persecuting you. We'll, we'll stop killing you. And what was the threat? It was fear. It was intimidation. But you know what, church? We're not going to shut up. We are the church of God, and we have an assignment to speak up and act in faith even when it's not comfortable, even if it's not how everyone else in society is behaving and responding. The enemy is always going to give you a reason to fear. He's always going to threaten you with your life. How many of you out there were born in, well, before the year 2000? I know I was. Do you remember the whole thing about the Y2K? People thought that everything was going to come to a complete halt, right? All the money that you had in the bank was going to disappear. Economies were going to crash. Computers were going to be shut down. Electricity was going to go off. And when it turned 2000, people were fearful and freaked out about something that never even happened. In 2001, it was anthrax. People were putting anthrax in mailboxes and everyone was going to die from anthrax infection. In 2003, the SARS virus was going to kill us all. In 2006, it was E. coli. In 2008, we had a financial collapse around the world and that was going to destroy our capabilities to make money and survive. In 2009, it was the swine flu that was going to take us out. In 2012, I'm not sure if you remember, but the Mayan calendar predicted the end of the world. It was going to be the end of all of us. But that came and went. In 2013, the North Koreans were going to start World War III. In 2014, the Ebola virus hit the world. And in 2015, ISIS was going to kill us all. In 2016, it was the Zika virus. And now in 2020, something more significant than probably all of its predecessors is the coronavirus. And all I'm saying, church, is that there is always something to fear about. The enemy will want, will want you to believe that this is it. This is the end of your life. This is the end of your dreams. So there's always going to be something that's going to cause us to have to choose faith over fear. 
And church, I'm not saying that there's not real diseases because we are facing something very real at the moment and it's affecting each and every one of our lives. I'm not saying that there's not real problems out there. But our response in a time like this is very important. Because when you're facing a battle, your response is going to determine how that battle is going to end. We don't go into retreat mode in a time like this. We praise God in the middle of our battles. We praise Him in the valleys and we praise Him on the mountaintops. David said in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And what David is really saying is that circumstances might change, and they, they will and they do, but my response never changes. My response never changes because my God never changes. My God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? And if he overcame that, he will overcome this. My God never fails. And you know, church, maybe what we're experiencing right now in the world will cause us to become desperate about the things of God again. I was listening to a sermon the other day, and this preacher was speaking about a young man that, that came to him and asked him, why we don't see miracles in the body of Christ anymore, like used to, that used to happen back in the day. He said, is there something wrong with the church? And he said, the problem is people aren't desperate anymore. They aren't desperate about the things of God anymore. People want to be hyped up, they want to be entertained, but they've lost, they've lost the fear of the Lord. They're fearing everything else in the world, but they've lost the fear of the Lord. They aren't desperate anymore. Because church, desperation causes miracles. And maybe that's what's happening with the outbreak of, of COVID-19. It's causing a desperation around the world. A desperation for real truth and, and real answers. I mean, let's face it. The doctors don't have the answers. CNN doesn't have the answers, right? Hollywood doesn't have the answers. There is so much opinion floating around. So where do you and I need to go to get back to the real answer? It's Jesus, right? Because all, because all of these other sources of information will bring some form of apprehension or fear. But when I read the Bible, when I turn to the Word of God, this is what it clearly tells me. Do not fear. Do not fear. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 1 says, Don't fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And God actually commands us not to fear, church. It is a command. And the phrase fear not is used numerous times in the Bible most likely because God knows the enemy uses fear to decrease our hope and limit our victories. And so God is constantly calling us not to fear, but to choose faith over fear. And I want to remind you of a story today in the Old Testament where God's people, the Israelites, found themselves in a situation where they had to make a choice. And if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to go with me to the book of Exodus, chapter number 14. Exodus 14, and we'll start reading from verse 12. This is what it says. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. 
For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Church, fear is natural, yet demonic. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 that God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? That tells us that fear is not only an emotion. Fear can begin as an emotion and then can turn into a spirit. You can start by being afraid of something that you have a logical explanation for, but when fear moves from an emotion and it begins to control your reactions, change your confessions and paralyze you in your current situation, it blocks the promises of God in your future. And that's when you know you're not dealing with a, an emotion anymore. You're dealing with a spirit of fear. And this spirit's main goal is to hold you back from your future. You see, what fear does is fear exalts the problem and minimizes the promise. What fear does is it makes us have amnesia because we forget what God has already done for us and we only remember what God hasn't done. The Israelites have just experienced the great miracle of Exodus. God delivered them from hundreds of years of slavery and now they're saying that it would have been better to remain as slaves? I mean, they completely forgot about this perspective that slavery wasn't fun. It wasn't any good. And they said it would have been better that we would be slaves, that we would die even as free people in the wilderness. You see, fear will mess with you. It will mess with your focus. It will mess with your perspective. And instead of seeing things clearly, you start to see things with a blurry perspective. And then what happens is it changes your confession. Because if we begin to speak things that are not in line with our faith, we begin to speak things that are in line with our feelings. We begin to say things like, I'm sick, or I'm going to die. Instead of saying, I know who my Savior is, and I'm healed by His stripes. We begin to identify ourselves no longer with Jesus. We identify ourselves with our emotions and our symptoms. Church, whatever constantly comes out of your mouth will influence the direction of your life. When David faced Goliath, David didn't look at Goliath with fear. He looked at him with faith. And he said, today's going to be your funeral, my friend. You should have said goodbye to your mama. This is it. This is the end of your life. I'm paraphrasing, but he had a confession of faith. You see, church, faith moves mountains, but fear constructs them. Faith will overthrow the giants in your life, but fear will make them permanent and make them concrete. The Israelites came out of Egypt and just experienced a great miracle from God. The lamb was slain, the blood was shed, and the angel of death passed over their homes. What a great picture of redemption. And they came out rejoicing because their dreams had finally come true. The only problem is that that happiness did not last very long. Three days later, Pharaoh wakes up and realizes that he's just lost a bunch of slaves. And so he musters up his army, and the Bible says that he went after them to bring them back to Egypt. And when the Israelites saw this happening, this is where the complaining started. This is where fear kicked in. And they said to Moses, we knew this wasn't going to work. We told you, Moses, that, and now it's happening. We should have remained as slaves. And Moses, I'm sure very calmly, Moses said the following things to them. He said the following words. It says, do not be afraid. Stand still. 
you will see the salvation of the Lord which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Just stand still and God will fight for you. And I want for all of us to take hold of this principle today, church. Write this down if you can, or make a mental note of this. If God brought me to this, He intends to get me through this. Let me say that again. If God brought me to this, He intends to get me through this. God didn't bring the Israelites to the Red Sea to kill them. He didn't bring them to the Red Sea so that they would drown. To do all those works that He did so that He could drop them right in front of the Red Sea. I believe sometimes the same thing happens in our lives, where we experience certain works of God. We experience the miracles of God. We experience salvation and answered prayers, and then we can come to a place where the future looks so gloomy. Perhaps the same way we're feeling right now. The past looks bright, but the future looks completely dark. And it seems like there is no way that I will ever be able to get through this. This is the end of my life. This is the end of my future. But you know, church, if we just take a step back and we just use a bit of common sense and start remembering what God has done for us, we'll start to realize that God is not planning to drown us at the Red Sea. Because if God brought you to it, He intends to get you through it. We're all facing something right now that we've never had to face before in our lives. But I want to encourage you today and I want to let you know that you do not have to be afraid of the Red Sea. Yes, maybe you don't have all the answers. Maybe you don't have all the solutions. But God has a way to get you through. God has a way to get you out. You need to believe that this morning. Church, you must understand that when God gives you a promise, and He's given each of us a promise, when He gives you a promise, He will present you to a problem where He will test your faith. And that's what I believe is happening around the world currently. I'm not saying that God has caused what is happening to happen, but He will use it for His good. And through this, God is speaking to the world and He is testing the church. Why? Because He wants a purified bride. He wants to purify your faith. You see, the Red Sea is important because there are things the Red Sea will kill in you that no other place will. The Red Sea was necessary for the Israelites because the Red Sea drowned Pharaoh. And even though the Israelites thought they were going to die in the Red Sea, God was actually planning to cleanse them through the Red Sea and drown Pharaoh. And that's why we need to thank God for every Red Sea in our lives. Because while we, will, we think we will die in a Red Sea moment of our lives, in reality, pride will die. Our laziness will die. Our self-dependence will die. In the Red Sea, our fears will die and demons will flee. The Red Sea is important. And I know we're terrified of a church, but that is the only place that the enemy cannot follow you. Come on. The enemy cannot follow you where God has purified you. Sometimes you go through a Red Sea and it's not because the Lord wants to drown you. Can you receive that today? It's not because He wants to drown you. It's because the Lord is cleansing you. He's cleansing you from unbelief. He's cleansing you from that emotional roller coaster where you say things like, you know, I don't think God is with me. I don't think God is for me. He'll cleanse that out of you so that you will be like Job who says, I know that my Redeemer lives. So that you will be like Paul who says, I know in whom I believe. Do I feel him? No. Do I see him? No. 
but I know that he's alive. Be still and know that the Lord is God. Church, God will take us through the Red Sea. And even though you may feel like this is a, a dire situation, God will revive your fervor and your passion for his presence like never before. I really believe that. Church, I was chatting to Noel a few weeks back. For those of you who don't know, Noel is my mother-in-law. And she was speaking to me about how much faith our founding members had to have when they started our church. They started first in a home, then moved to a scout hall, and then, I think, a short time in a school, and then acquired the land on which our church now stands. And back then, they only had about 40 to 50 members in the church. It wasn't like they had hundreds of members and all the finances they needed to start building the church or building the school or to even acquire the land. But by faith, they stepped out and continued because they knew that God had called them to build the church right here in the south of Johannesburg. And there were times, let me tell you, church, there were times when it seemed like they were standing at the Red Sea. And the enemy was approaching very far to try and take back that promise. But church, if God gave us a building, it wasn't so that we would die here. If God gave us a miracle, if God would do that, why would he take that away from us? Milk and honey is what God promised the Israelites. Cities and nations is what he promised us. And we will hold on to that promise no matter what, what we have to face. And it's the same with us. God would not have taken us through the ten plagues if he intended to have our funeral at the bottom of the Red Sea. There has to be a way out. And even if you don't see it, church, we need to believe it. Because Jesus is the way maker. The Bible says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And where there seems to be no way, church, I just want to encourage you today to have this resolution inside of you. God did not bring me to this to drown me here. He did not bring me to this to drown me here. And if I have to go through the waters, it's because God is going to wash me clean. God is going to purify me. I will make it through this water, fear will not. I will make it through this water, fear will not. My sickness will not. My failure will not in Jesus' name. Church, the Bible says, stand and see that God is accomplishing salvation. Meaning God is working as I'm believing and I'm choosing not to fear as I'm looking straight at the Red Sea. And I declare with my mouth today, and I want you to declare with me, I choose faith over fear. I will live and not die. I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. For I know the thoughts of you, says the Lord, thoughts of good and not of evil. God says you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water whose leaves will not wither and whose fruit will be born at all time. I'm standing in front of the Red Sea, but I believe I'm standing in front of a miracle. I don't know how it will happen, but I know one thing. My God's promises are true. With what's happening around in our world right now, you may feel a bit hopeless. You may even feel like the dream is dying. But church, I want you to know today that the dream is never connected to us or what's happening in the natural. It's connected to the Lord. The dream is secure in Him. And I just want to encourage you that if He brought you to this, He intends to get you through this. 
God did not bring you here to drown you, but to drown your enemy. And even though we're going through something very difficult right now, can I encourage you to keep going? And let the waters of the Red Sea purify your faith and purify your passion so that you can become as pure as gold. And where there seems to be no way, church, God says He will make a way for us. When the world says it's impossible, we say nothing is impossible with our God. Where everything else screams fear, we will stand and we will see the salvation of the Lord. Jesus is our way maker, and as a church, we will stand in the face of adversity. And when the spirit of fear tries to stare us down, we will stare right back at it. And we will just wait upon the Lord, have faith in His promises, and see His hand of deliverance. And as I close today, I want to leave you with a scripture. A scripture that you can hold on to in this time as we go into isolation. A scripture from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. Jehoshaphat finds himself in one of the most dire situations you could ever imagine. And so he gets on his knees and he begins to pray. And he says this. We have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Absolutely love that. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And church, I guess we're like Jehoshaphat. We stand in the midst of major uncertainty. We don't know what to do. But you know, when you really think about this church, it's really, really not uncertain if you know the certain God, right? So we can say with confidence today, even if we don't know what to do, Lord, our eyes are on you. And as the Lord said to King Jehoshaphat a few verses later through one of his prophets, remember, the battle is not yours, the battle is mine. And I just want to leave you with that today as we go into this time. There may be a bit of fear, but just remember, church, the battle that's going on is in the mind, but the battle is the Lord's. It is not yours. Wherever you are today, would you just give the Lord a great shout of praise and thank Him for His love and His promises? Thank Him for where He's brought you to and just acknowledge that He's going to get you through this. Fear will not conquer you. Death will not conquer you in Jesus' name. If you believe that, would you just give the Lord a great shout of praise? Amen and amen.